Welcome, welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I'm your friendly neighborhood finance professor. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's very early in the morning, and I thought that I would start your day off with some uh, good financial information that will help you get richer. Uh, that's our goal. Our goal on this platform is to make you richer, smarter, and happier. And so as you come into the chat, uh, please make sure you hit the thumbs up button. Also, shout out the city you're from. And let me know that you're B1. B1 is black first. There's nothing wrong with loving your people. Uh, let's get to it. Let's get it cracking. Uh, how many of you uh, own stock? Give me a yes in the chat if you own stock. Uh, I, I want to ask this question more regularly because I want to make sure you're getting in the habit of owning stock. And then I'm going to start asking you to go to the next level, which is buying stock consistently every single week or at least every single month. How many of you own stock? Give me a yes in the chat. If you own stock, Yoshika, good to see you, Yoshika. I see her in here every morning. El Haj, uh, good to see you, brother. Uh, are Anybody? Okay. Yeses. I'm seeing some yeses. Good, good, good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Genevieve says yes. Kenny D., Adrian, yes. Uh, Akila, yes. Justin, yes. Good. Yes, 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 yes. All the investors, shout yourselves out. And if you're not an investor yet, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Uh, just go to my website, voicewalkins.com. There's something that is totally free. It's called the $5 a day investing plan. This is the master plan that's going to get your family wealthy, but it's going to take a couple of decades though. So you're really doing this for your children or your grandchildren. And I know that that's hard to do. Some people promote selfishness. They think that all that matters is you and, and what you got and how comfortable your life is. Well, I don't live in that world. Uh, I live in a world where we care about our children. So if you care about your damn kids or care about your grandkids or care about somebody else's kids. That's that's also part of the village. Put a yes in the chat uh, if you care about other people besides yourself. I think that's really important. You cannot invest unless you understand the fundamental rule of investing. One of the most fundamental rules, which is that investing is a team sport. Family wealth is typically greater, greater than individual wealth. Most wealthy people in, in our world tend to have relatives who gave a damn enough about them to invest for them while they were young. So, or even before they were born. So do that. My wife, in fact, let me just tell you this before I get into Disney and Netflix stock. Those are the two stocks I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to give you my personal opinion on whether or not I would buy these stocks right now. Um, my wife uh, had a grandfather in the 1940s who was uh, a chemist at the University of Chicago. And uh, while he was there, he bought some bonds for World War II literally some World War II bonds. And he also, check this out, y'all, pay attention now. This is generational wealth. This is what it looks like. Because um, a lot of people think my wife married me because I was rich. And I was rich, but my wife was rich too. So so that's a myth. Like any, so never believe the crap you hear on the internet because people will just make stuff up and then act like it's truth. But uh, anyway, uh, so what her grandfather did that was so brilliant, so smart, so just had so much foresight because he was a real man. He wasn't no punk. He was a real man back when they built men different. Uh, he bought some World War II bonds for his family and he bought them for his grandchildren and his great grandchildren back in 1942. And then the other thing he did was he went to the south side of Chicago and he bought a building and the building probably cost him less than five thousand dollars. Now, years later, two, two generations later, two, three generations later, uh, he has had several relatives who never, ever had to pay rent because they were able to live in that building. That's the first thing that he did starting back in 1942. He had that master plan. The second, the, the other thing is that that building that cost him less than $5,000 would probably cost almost a million dollars today. Uh, third, uh, when my wife bought her first house, she was able to use money from those savings bonds that he bought during World War II. Now, now tell me that's not 
the coolest thing ever. Tell me that's not gangster as hell to plan for your grandkids so your grandkids can have houses and uh, buildings and charge people rent because of something that you did in 1942. That That's what you call foresight. That's what you call generational wealth. That's what you call real manhood. That's what you call uh, masculinity. That's what you call taking care of your own. But it's not even just a masculine thing. It's also uh, just a thing to, that's love. You know, that's love. The best love you can show for family is to invest for them, right? So he did that. And so uh, I want to give a shout out to him because I think that that's an important story for us to hear because we hear too many stories of men who didn't do their job and who left the family a GoFundMe account and left a bunch of debt and left a bunch of problems and babies, mamas and, and, and children that ain't nobody never heard of and all this other chaos. It ain't, that ain't part of being black. So never let anybody make you think that irresponsibility is black culture. That's not our culture. Uh, responsibility and preparation. That is our culture. That's how we became great. So anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, my name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is, doc, uh, this is uh, the black financial channel, the black So check in every day. We, we go live a lot and we talk all about financial stuff all day long. Uh, I have my doctorate's in finance. I'd love to teach you. Also, my book is called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It's an Amazon bestseller. Feel free to grab a copy there. All right. So uh, how many of you, give me a yes, how many of you uh, think Disney would be a good investment? How many of you like Disney as a stock? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an, um, an assessment of Disney, and I'm going to just tell you like this. I'm going to give you a foreshadow. Um, the assessment of Disney has changed. Uh, if you like Disney, and I've always liked Disney. I've always felt like Disney was just a smart company that knew how to make money. But Disney, unfortunately, uh, according to many analysts, has become a little bit of a hot ghetto mess. They've kind of um, gotten into some crazy stuff. Like they're fighting right now with the governor of Florida. Uh, they're having trouble uh, making money from their parks, at least at the level that, that people expected. Disney Plus, uh, their streaming service, uh, whether you know it or not, was losing money hand over fist, losing money like crazy because all they were trying to do was grow and they weren't really thinking about profitability. Now suddenly profitability matters again. And so there's an analyst here from KeyBank, and this is just one analyst. This is not uh, the whole world. But this is uh, one analyst who basically says that Disney is um, not the not the investment that it used to be. And uh, and I'm going to give you the caveats on this uh, in a minute. But but for now, what I'm going to do is read to you some of what he's saying and then give you the, kind of the Dr. Boyce breakdown on this. Somebody said, go woke, go broke. Yeah, I'm, I'm agree. I'm telling you that, too. I I think that that whole wokeness companies are starting to move away from that. Um, I think what was it? Uh, was it Google? I think Google was going to do a drag queen event or something. And basically, they ended up canceling the event because the employees at Google, you're used to the more liberal employees, you know, forming the petitions and standing up against certain things or whatever. Well, in this case, it was the, the Christian employees who said, you know, why, what the hell, what does a drag queen have to do with what we're doing here at Google? You know, I, I don't necessarily feel comfortable you know, watching a, a show with drag queens or having my kids read to by drag queens, you know, no disrespect. If you're in that category, if you're trans LGBT, I don't care. Black first, black first. I want you to remember that, but still it's sort of like companies started getting to the point where they were picking sides in, in politics. And they always say that if you want to avoid conflict, uh, particularly with family, friends, or if you're doing business, avoid politics and religion, just don't talk about it. You know, or if you do talk about it, just know you're going into some dangerous territory. So just be really, really careful about that. Uh, now, somebody says, you told me to buy Disney stock four months ago. I obeyed. And now this. Yeah, things change, DZoom. I, I want you to know that. That's really important to understand. I like Disney months ago. I did. I love Disney was one of my favorite investments. And the thing about investing that you should understand is that 
uh, invest, the most important variable in investing, one of the most important variables in investing is information. And one of the things about being a good investor is that you have to constantly adjust to new information. Think of it like a basketball game. If we're up by 20 points, then we're going to play with one strategy. But if we're suddenly down by five points, we're going to have to shift our strategy. You can't say, well, because I chose to play this way when we were five minutes into the game, I'm going to keep playing the same way, you know, 25 minutes into the game. No, those are two different scenarios. Or you can't say, well, because we played a certain way when we when when the big man was on the floor, we're going to keep playing that way even when the little guys are on the floor. You have to be able to adjust. You have to be flexible. So what I'm saying is not that Disney is a bad company. Let's be clear. I'm not saying that Disney is uh, is is falling apart or that they're garbage. What I'm saying is that at the current valuations, KeyBank is saying that Disney would not be a good investment. A good company does not make a good investment. A bad company does not make a bad investment. And a good company sometimes can be your worst investment. And, your, and a, a bad company can be your best investment. Some of the One of the companies I made the most money from this week, I think, was a crappy company, Virgin Galactic. Their stock has been just garbage for a very long time. Well, guess what? If you keep reducing the price of a stock and it drops and it drops and it drops and it drops, well, then sometimes garbage can turn into filet mignon. Garbage can turn into a gourmet meal. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So some of these stocks turn into gourmet garbage because the price kept dropping and dropping and dropping to the point where it went too low. Like, think about it. What if I told you I'm, I want to sell you a, a, a 2012 Mercedes and you say, well, how much is it? And I say, oh, it's going to be eight hundred thousand dollars. You're going to be like, oh, hell no. I'm not. Would y'all buy that car? Give me a yes or no. Would you buy that car if I said, I got a 2012 Mercedes. I'll sell it to you for $800,000. And let's say it's not an antique or anything like that. It's just a regular old car to get you from point A to point B. But it's a Benz and, uh, and the price is, uh, but the price is going to be 800 grand. Would you buy that car? Yes or no? Yes or no? Answer that question. This is a good investment lesson as we talk about Netflix and Disney. No. Thank you, Juiced Up Reese. Like, I, every time I see you in there, Juiced Up Reese, I'm going to say your name because Juiced Up Reese is one of my favorite people on, in, on earth. You're literally keeping us alive. We, we have your juice in our refrigerator and we're like drinking it every day. Um, anyway, all right. So no. Okay. So what if I said, all right, all right. Okay, fine. You're driving a hard bargain. I'll drop the price to $400,000. I'll cut it in half. Would you, would you buy my 2012 Mercedes for $400,000? Yes or no? Answer in the chat so we can make this point. And by the way, if you're on Spotify, uh, this this uh, podcast is on Spotify, so you can look up Boyce Watkins on Spotify. You can find it. Okay, no, you wouldn't, right? So what if I what if I kept put going down? What if, then I go to a hundred thousand, and then let's say I go to fifty thousand, and then let's say I get down. And I'm I'm desperate, and I and I really just reveal, you know what? I really um, I've got this secret drug addiction, and um, and I and I I need I need money for uh, for my next hit of crack. So I'll sell you my 2012 Mercedes for a thousand dollars would you buy it then would you buy that 2012 mercedes for a thousand bucks yes or no let's say it runs fine there's no major engine issues you had a mechanic look at it the mechanic said oh this car runs good is is that car a good deal yes it is a very good deal now it's a very good deal and so so the point that i'm making here is that you have to understand that a good investment in many cases can go from being a horrible deal to becoming a great deal if you simply change the price. Or it can go from being a great deal to a terrible deal if you change the price. 
Nvidia was all the rage in the AI space. Everybody, you know, everybody was talking about how Nvidia was just killing the AI game. They have chips that nobody else can make. They're on top of AI. So, so if you're buying Nvidia, that's cool. But the problem is that the more people want to buy it, the more the price is going up. My Nvidia stock damn near doubled in the last year. So, so at what point does Nvidia go from from being a great buy to being a bad buy? At what point are you overpaying for that stock? So, so what I would say to you is that that's kind of what happened with Disney a little bit. Disney uh, used to be a good buy. It used to be a good investment. But now uh, there are people that are saying, eh, things have changed with Disney. And uh, their, their, their prospects have shifted. Their risk level has shifted. Uh, th- their price has shifted. So now Disney went from being a good buy to a bad buy. Just remember that, just so in case you want to know, nine times out of 10, if I ask you if you'd want to buy something, if someone says, well, would you like to buy this really nice car, this really nice house, or most financial questions, would they, do they give you a yes or no answer for? The answer usually isn't yes or no. The answer is usually it depends. If you, If someone asks you if you'd be willing to make an investment and you don't know the price, then you cannot answer that question. You cannot answer that. If I say I've got the most beautiful car in the world, it it has, uh, you know, chrome wheels and leather seats and a V8 engine and it goes from zero to 60 in three seconds. Do you want to buy that car? You'd be a damn fool if you say, yes, I do want to buy that car. No, you're not supposed to do that. What you're supposed to say is, well, how much is it? You're supposed to say, well, it depends. Is it a good deal or a bad deal? So keep that in mind when it comes to investing. One of the biggest things about wealth is buy low, sell high. Uh, you don't buy high and sell low. A lot of investors do that. That's why a lot of people get burned in the stock market and then they, they do it wrong. And then they go back to their relatives and say, oh, don't go in the stock market. Stock market's a scam. Well, maybe the reason it's a scam is because you scammed yourself. You scammed yourself because you were following the crowd. You were engaged in what Professor David Hirschleifer, shout out to David Hirschleifer, one of the best scientists on the planet. He was on my dissertation committee. He calls that the herding effect. He said, investors act like sheep. People follow the crowd. Studies show that 80% of all people will follow the crowd, even if the crowd is wrong. So here's what's going to happen. Once the stock market starts to shoot up to the sky, once it, once every, once people start start making money like crazy, once y'all are balling out of control, it's, it's going to start hitting the headlines. Once it hits the headlines, your little cousin who always told you not to invest or told you that you were crazy to come to stock market class, they're going to call you up and say, Hey, I, I want to invest too. I bought some blah, 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 or I bought some NVIDIA because I saw NVIDIA in a magazine. And But the problem is they're going to be buying NVIDIA at a price different from the price you paid for NVIDIA. Why? Well, because you bought NVIDIA in the dark. You bought NVIDIA when nobody wanted it, so you got it cheap. They bought NVIDIA in the spotlight. When something's in the spotlight, the price automatically goes too high. It, it gets overpriced. It's just like dating. You know, in a way, it's like dating. It's very much like dating because all dating is is another market, by the way. Dating is more. I see dating as a market, right? And so basically, think about it. If you, um, I, you know, and I've seen this happen. You know, imagine if you meet like, I, I, you know, the, the nicest person on earth and the prettiest girl in the world and nobody knows about her. She lives in a small town and nobody sees her then that's going to be a different transaction. You might have a different shot at that woman versus imagine if somebody put her on national TV and then the spotlight's on her and then suddenly she's getting 3,000 emails a day from men that want to propose marriage. That's going to be a different competitive environment for you. So stocks are the same way. If you buy stocks in the dark, when no one else is really talking about the market, when the market is out of style, then you're going to buy stuff cheap. But when the spotlight hits and everybody finds out how much money there, there's, there is this to be made, then suddenly those prices get out of control. That's when you go from being a buyer to being a seller. 
when I saw the market going super high, I wasn't trying to buy anything. I was selling, selling, selling. I was selling stock. I was selling options. I sold, I sold a, a, over, I, I sold a ton of money out of my portfolio just like so I could go buy some real estate because I told my wife, I said, a lot of these stocks will probably not have the same price level now that they, or, or then, excuse me, in a year from now that they have right now. So, so anyway, do me a favor, uh, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. And also in case you don't know, we actually have these fun financial flashcards for kids. If you want to teach wealth to your kids, uh, you can go to financialflashcards.com. Like these cards cover real estate. Uh, and then also we have some that just cover general finance, stuff like that. So like, for example, if you want your kids to learn about real estate, uh, these cards on one side, it'll have some image with, uh, with black people doing something business-wise and says security deposit. And then it says, what's a security deposit? A security deposit is, is money that is given to a lender, seller, or landlord as proof of intent and may be used to pay for damages caused by a renter. What is a lease agreement? What is a lease term? What is a short-term rental? What is Section 8? Section 8 is a good way to make money. A lot of y'all own Section 8 property. What is equal opportunity housing? How do you deal with that when you become a landlord? Uh, what is what, what is comparative market analysis, right? So we have flashcards like this. If you want to take a look at the flashcards, they cover things like credit, entrepreneurship, etc. and you want to get your kids ready, just go to financial flashcards cards.com that's financial flashcards.com all right so let me let me jump back into disney a little bit and talk about why disney stock went from being good to being bad so they said here in this article on cnbc that it's difficult to stay bullish on disney with multiple of its best known business units facing challenges according to key bank analyst brandon nispel downgraded shares of the media and entertainment giant uh to sector weight from overweight so they just took them down a notch they didn't say it's a terrible company they just said we're not as interested in buying it they said we prefer to step aside which means we're not interested in buying this anymore or we're going to hold what we already have, acknowledging meaningful uncertainty and wait for further catalysts as buying the dip has been a losing trade. So what they're basically saying is that Disney has been one of those few companies that such that during the recent bull run, during the time where all this money is being made, Disney stock really hasn't been moving the way people thought it was going to move. And, and, I, and I'm one of those people that was surprised. I mean, we've had a lot of big winners. You know, C3.ai absolutely killed it and a few other stocks killed it. But Disney over the last six months has only gone up 1.89%. That's not very much considering all the other stocks uh, out here that you could have been uh, you could have bought that would have made a ton of money, like, say, NVIDIA. Um, and I was happy. I owned a lot of NVIDIA and they just went crazy. All right. So they said also Nispel said expectations for the part business appear to be too high. And tough comparable periods are not adequately baked into those expectations. The firm's domestic theme park attendance data was weak for April and May, so people are not going to theme parks. Uh, while Disneyland's growth from the 100th anniversary celebration was considered a contraction when compared against the 50th anniversary in Walt Disney World. Nispel anticipates a deceleration in revenue between the third and fourth fiscal quarters, despite consensus expectations implying the opposite. Okay, so they anticipate a deceleration. That does not mean a decline. A deceleration means they still think Disney's revenue is going to grow. They just don't think it's going to grow at the same rate that it was growing before. So it's like a car. If you're in a car and someone says your car is decelerating, that does not mean your car has stopped. That does not mean your car is going backward. It just means your car is moving forward, just not at a rate as fast as before. And that's the tricky part about stock market investing is that growth is required. This is actually one of the downfalls of capitalism. This is why America is going to struggle in the next 100 years is because a lot of these capitalist models and these financial markets that we have in this country that are very efficiently designed. I mean, they're really, really powerful markets. Uh, the downside is that capitalism sort of feeds into this greed complex that says, look, it's not enough for you to make a lot of money. It's not enough 
enough for you to even make more money than you made before. What has to happen is that your rate of growth of that money must meet a certain expectation in order for us to feel good as investors. So I said Disney's direct-to-consumer businesses have, have also been unable to differentiate its churn compared with peers. So Disney Plus is a lot of churn. Disney Plus and Hulu have both seen subscriber growth stagnate with net losses expected in the third fiscal quarter. So Disney Plus, even though Disney Plus is killing it, they got all these subscribers, I, I think over 100 million or something crazy like that. They're, they're not growing. They're kind of stagnant. And, uh, and you need that growth. Netflix has started growing again, if I'm not mistaken. Paramount Plus, here's what's funny. Paramount Plus was growing, but Paramount Plus lost a billion dollars last quarter. And remember, Paramount Plus is struggling. They had to sell BET to Tyler Perry. Now you're going to see Medea movies 24-7, right? So, so, so ultimately, uh, growth is not always enough. Um, you have to grow under the right conditions. Profitable growth is what you're really looking for. And so a lot of these movements that companies were making, like, you know, pushing Disney Plus to just get as many subscribers as possible at any cost, it's just not working. They were overspending on content. And I remember feeling this way back in 2018 when I saw that Netflix went out and borrowed $12 billion to make content. I didn't understand. Actually, it was $14 billion. I did not understand why Netflix was borrowing $14 billion to make content. When they were already generating, you know, a, a good, uh, I want to say a good 20 billion a year, maybe. I can't remember what the number was exactly, or like 2 billion a month, you know, with the content that they had. So if you're generating $2 billion a month in revenue, why can't you just buy your content with that money? Why do you need, why do you need to go borrow another $14 billion? That didn't make any sense to me. And that speaks to something that I want you to understand about the difference between a B1 business model versus capitalism. I really want you to understand this. this is really important. I've had people come to me and say, I'm so happy that you're teaching black capitalism to black people. And I say, actually, I'm not a capitalist. Or I'll hear people that'll say it in a negative way. Oh, you're you're a black capitalist. You believe in black cap that black capitalism is going to save every, everybody. No, because I'm not a capitalist. Because capitalism has a lot of problems. And one of the problems with capitalism is greed. Greed is never good. Greed is one of those emotions. Remember, I tell you all that the emotions you want to avoid as an investor are fear and greed. Fear will scare money, don't make money. So fear will keep you broke. Fear, listening to your scared little friends is going to keep you broke. But greed will destroy you. Greed will eat away at you. Greed will never make you happy. You'll never be able to be content as long as you are a greedy person. Because greedy people, they, they're never happy with what they have. They always want more. They always want to take what the next person has. So they're not co collaborative or cooperative. They're always competitive with everything and everybody. Like, think about it. Think about the greedy friends you have. Like the greedy girl who gets mad because you're in a happy relationship. Or the greedy dude who you can't trust around your woman because he wants your woman in addition to the other five women he's dating at the same time. Like nobody likes greedy people and greedy people aren't, don't even like themselves because they're very unhappy people. They, they, they just feel like they're always sh coming short of what they actually feel like they deserve. Or imagine like the greedy fat kid who just keeps eating, eating and eating. Well, not only is he just a complete jerk to be around, but he's ultimately going to kill himself, right? He's going to get fat. He's obese. He's going to get diabetes. He's going to destroy, you know, it's going to be ruined, right? So balance and moderation, is really important. Like investing really is a Zen meditative process. You have to learn how to stay cool. You know, just stay flat and level. You know, know that the ups and downs are coming, but I'm a woosah my way through it, right? You know, don't go too high with the ups. Don't go too far with the downs or at the very least, really enjoy the ups. Always have gratitude. I hear, see, my wife is in the metaphysics, so maybe that's where I get it from. But I find that gratitude is a powerful tool to allow you to be happy with your life. If you sit down, every time I, I'm gonna tell you a little secret, this is, and this applies to investing too, because you're always investing. Even if you're not investing money, 
you're always investing in something. If you're in a relationship, you're investing your time and your love and your energy in a person. Uh, you, if you exercise, you're investing your time into, you know, getting into shape and all that. Right. So you're always making an investment. You're investing right now by sitting here listening to me because after I, I could be wasting your time right now. But you're but you trust me. So you're here and you're listening to me because uh, you feel that this investment is going to pay off. And I want to make sure that it does. So so one of the things um, uh, I can tell you is that you know, like whenever I get in a situation where I get tempted to feel sorry for myself or every time I get in a situation where I get tempted to feel bad about something I don't have, you know what I do? I slap myself out of it. I say, okay, boys, no, no, no. Before we start bitching and complaining about the things we don't have, let's look at all the blessings we do have. Let's let's count from the bottom down, from the bottom up as opposed from the, to the top down, because that's the problem. That's the curse of ambitious people. If you're an ambitious person, how many of you consider yourselves to be ambitious? I hope, I, I believe most of you probably do. The reason you, I believe that is because you're here. Ambitious people don't hang out with people like me because I'm always challenging you and stuff like that. Lazy people, they go and do, I don't know what they do. They're probably asleep right now. Um, but really, so you're ambitious, right? So the curse of being an ambitious person is that you can be tempted to always feel frustrated, always feel mad that you don't have what you want, always feel inadequate. And that's not that's just not healthy. That doesn't feel good. So I encourage you to consider gratitude and just meditate. Take a deep breath, five or six deep breaths. See, my y'all can tell I got a therapist, right? Because I love my I love talking to my therapist. Everybody, every black person on earth should have a therapist. Uh, but anyway. Um, you have that gratitude. And what that does is it reminds you of how blessed you are so that you can still go on and still push hard and say, yeah, I still want more. I'm still going to go for it. I'm going to go for the top. But at the same time, you're not going at it from a deficit model standpoint. OK, so so avoid fear and greed when it comes to investing. Those two emotions will almost never serve you well. Uh, greed is when people is what causes people to overpay for stocks or take risks that they shouldn't be taking. Fear is what causes people to be afraid to take any risk at all. And if you never take any risk at all, then you're never going to get anything. So keep that in mind. All right. So anyway, do me a favor. Thumbs up, uh, share, subscribe. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. And uh, my new book is called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. And so if you'd like to go to Amazon and get a copy, it's a bestseller. Uh, the reviews are really good. I know you're going to love it. So feel free to go to Amazon or also you can go to boycewalkins.com. I have a training called How to Make Money Without Working. So if you're tired of working and you want to know how wealthy people make money without working, I can show you. The lecture is free. Uh, I promise you it'll change your life. Just go to boycewalkins.com and take a look. Uh, hit the thumbs up button. So let's finish talking about Disney real quick. And then I'm going to talk about a stock that I actually like based on what I'm reading in the reports. All right. So uh, here uh, it also says here on CNBC that there may be other challenges there may be more challenges than initially anticipated with moving ESPN to streaming, according to NISPL. So they got a problem with ESPN, they say. KeyBank research shows interest in sports on linear TV is high, but a willingness to pay for it on streaming is lower. So people want to see sports, but they don't want to pay for it. And I do agree with that. I'm a sports fan. Um, I, will, I love watching sports, but I don't know how much I want to pay to watch sports. Like, I don't know if I'd subscribe to your streaming service just so I can watch the NCAA championship because I've been seeing it for free for since I was a little kid. Uh, they said movies uh, offer a little reprieve, he said, with the structural disinterest in movie theaters compared with before the pandemic, likely to hamper Pixar releases. He noted that Disney Studios business has lost money for the past two years when excluding Avatar, the way of the water and should be and should and should going forward. So he says that Disney Studios are not making money. So so, it, you know, this is interesting, right, because Disney's killing it when it comes to making movies. I mean, they they put out. 
what they put out the um little mermaid thing and all the little kids went i mean i, I know our girls felt like they had to see them it was almost like it was re required viewing for every little girl you know under the age of 18 like like literally like they released it on the day the last day of school and I don't know anybody else's kids like feel like they had to go see the Little Mermaid, like it was a homework assignment or something. Yeah, they they just did such a great job at the marketing that movie made. I'm sure well over a billion dollars. A lot of their movies make over a billion dollars, and the idea that they're not making money is just downright crazy and scary to me. To be honest with you, it's insane. So um, anyway, uh, one other one stock that I do like based on the analysis I've read is Netflix. Uh, Netflix has been big in my portfolio. Uh, Netflix has done extremely well this year. Uh, when I look up Netflix stock. Uh, Netflix, let me see here. Netflix stock is up so far this year. Uh, in the last six months, it is up by drum roll, please. 47% year to date. Uh, let's see. Okay. In the last year it's up 141%. So if you bought Netflix, when the price dropped, congratulations to you, you probably made a killing. Um, and, and it's okay. If you missed it, there'll be other opportunities, I'm sure, in the future. Uh, it says Netflix should have more steam in its rally thanks to advertisement-enabled tiers, says Citibank. Analyst Jason Bazinet reiterated his buy rating and added a positive catalyst watch watch ahead of Netflix quarterly earnings report expected in July. So in July, they're going to re release their earnings, pointing specifically to the ad tier's success. So Netflix has started um, offering you a tier where you can watch ads, uh, but you pay a lower price, but you got to watch the ads. Um, and uh, they said that he he raised this price target by $100 to 500 bucks, which implies an upside of 16%. Right now, you can buy Netflix stock um, for, uh, let me see what price is it, $429. So they're saying that they think it's going to go to 500. Uh, nothing's guaranteed, but this is what he's saying. And he, remember, he's just one analyst of many. He says, we are more bullish on the likely success of the ad tier Netflix shares are up 1.8%. Uh, the stock has surged more than 45% this year uh, as investors uh, move past 2022 sell-off. Bazinet now expects Netflix will get 82 million incremental subscriptions from the lower-cost ad-enabled tier. So another 82 million subscribers. That's a big deal. Uh, that translates to $10.6 billion in incremental revenue, and that's better than the firm's earlier forecast of $66 million in September 2022. So, wow. They, so they... They predicted 66 million, and he thinks they're going to need 10.6 billion. Okay, that's a big jump. Uh, the ad tier costs 6.99 a month, making it three dollars per month cheaper than the basic plan. Uh, strong expectations for the ad tier push Bazinet to raise his target, even as the crackdown on account sharing without paying extra. The streaming giant's other big recent change is still expected to bring little upside to the stock. That's because the firm has believed a revenue decrease from consumers opting for lower cost plans with less simultaneous streaming as a result of the crackdown would offset any gains from people who actually paid to share an account. Okay. All right. So basically, it sounds like he's saying that the whole crackdown, if you remember, Netflix had their crackdown where they started saying, you can't share your account anymore. We're going to start, you know, sort of jumping on you if you're doing it too much. And uh, and so what happened was some people said, oh, well, screw you. I'm out of here. And then some people, though, said, OK, no problem. I, I you know, I've been getting over for years, so I'm going to go ahead and you know get my own account. And so as a result, Netflix has seen. Uh, that it hasn't really hurt them that much. But he also believes that the addition of the new tier, 
the $6.99 tier where you can uh, pay $6.99 and just watch the ads. It's going to be a positive catalyst. I think other positive catalysts for Netflix could be, I don't know how, how well their ad network is designed, if it's designed like Hulu. I know that right now, small businesses, if you have a small business, you can advertise on Hulu. You can run ads on Hulu. I think that's pretty cool. I, I suspect Netflix is going to do something similar. Right. I suspect they're going to set up an ad network similar to what you can do on Facebook, Google and Hulu and all that. And I think that could be a positive catalyst for the revenue, too. I also wonder if they're ever going to do more with all those millions of subscribers than just show the movies. Like I, I know that what they do with the movies takes a lot of money, and a lot of time, but I can't help but feel that. They can't go, you know, kind of go Jeff Bezos with it. You know, Jeff Bezos, the reason Amazon made so much money was because uh, Bezos realized that when you have millions of subscribers who came to you to buy one thing, chances are they'll buy something else. Like if you have a bunch of people coming into your coffee shop to buy coffee, well, a lot of them are going to want coffee and a donut or coffee, a donut, and a book, or coffee, a donut, and so a book and some gum, right? So you just offer them additional products, and then you would find that those same people would end up increasing your average revenue per customer. So I wonder if Netflix is ever going to figure that out. I assume they've already thought about that, but maybe they haven't. But if they haven't thought about it, I encourage you to think about that. I mean, a lot of you have thought about starting businesses at some point. Um, I would encourage you, I would tell you this, if I was uh, 19 years old again, um, I love having my PhD. It's really given me some tremendous economic gifts and intellectual gifts that I wouldn't trade for the world. But let me just say this, if I could go back in time, knowing then what I know now, um, I, I, I would probably rather than getting a PhD, I would just spend two years spending all my time in some sort of intense program that was going to make me the best entrepreneur I could possibly Possibly be. Uh, I believe that that would have gotten me quicker to my goal at that stage, which was to make money because I grew up poor and broke and I didn't have no money. So I needed to make money. So I thought that the only way to make money was to go to school for a thousand years. But whereas I now I look back and I'm like, no, I didn't actually have to do that. I just didn't have anybody to expose me to that line of thinking. So what I'm asking you to do right now is I need you to go make sure that your children are not put in the same trap that you and I were put in, where we were only given one way to skin that cat. Make sure that they know all the different options. And, and um, one of the policy points, I believe, amongst intelligent black people is that every black child on this planet should learn how to start their own business at an early age. Because if your child could get one product, just one product, it might be some makeup. It might be doing hair. Our, our, our middle child does lashes for people and stuff like that. One product that people want and they can deliver it well, they will make more money selling that one product than they could ever make from having even the best jobs that are out here. Seriously, I know 16 year old kids from the black business school who make more money than their parents. I know I know 15 year old kids who are literally clocking a quarter million a year selling one product. So teach your child to get in position where they can sell one thing to somebody who needs it. And people will give them $20, $50 a pop and not even think twice about it. They get a thousand customers they give them $50 each. Next thing you know, your kid got 50 grand in the bank and you don't even know how they did it. They, they said, take a suckers out and you don't know how I did it. That that's that's the that's the wealth hack. That's the move. That's the play. I encourage you to consider that. I encourage you to show this to your family if this is something that is of interest to you. OK, guys. So anyway, um, if you could, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Also, remember, this podcast is on Spotify. And I want to remind everybody that if you want to get text notifications of when we go live, just text the word voice to three one nine nine six text voice to 31996. And I hope you'll also allow me to remind you uh, that the All Black National Convention is ha happening October 20th. Uh, we have a ton of experts uh, aligned for the convention this year in all the all areas from therapy to medicine 
to investing, to real estate, to estate planning, to all kinds. I mean, you name it, we got it. We got health experts. We got all kinds of people coming because we want to create the greatest black think tank on the entire planet. We want to create a, a family reunion atmosphere. Uh, Victory Boyd with Rock Nation and her family, they're coming back this year. Y'all loved Victory Boyd's family. Not only are they entertaining at the highest levels, I mean, Victory sang for Jay-Z. Jay-Z signed her on the spot. That's how talented she is. And her two sisters are just as talented as she is. Like, they're literally, if they, if they, if they, they literally could be Destiny's Child if they were willing to show ass in order to get attention. But these are not how these women are built. These women actually uh, are successful because of their talent, not because of their showing off and, and trying to wrap about their WAP, right? Or crazy stuff like that. They're not into that stuff. They maintain their values and they succeeded at the highest levels despite that. On top of that, they have a great family business. Their father is uh, the, the, the patriarch, the leader of the family, and he's pulled them together and they are so good. So they're going to come back this year. If you haven't seen them, you've got to see them they're going to just be amazing. Somebody said, do you do Essence? Uh, my wife and I thought about going down to the Essence Music Fest. Uh, we might go down there and check it out. Last time I was down there was right before Katrina, believe it or not. It was a long time ago. Uh, so I need to go back again because I do actually, I did actually enjoy the Essence. But I'm telling you guys, this is better than Essence or anything else because uh, you, because what the convention shows is that black people can have dignity class and self-respect and still have fun, still learn, still connect and still grow. The energy is incredibly positive. So if you'd like to learn more about the convention or if you have a business and you'd like to be a sponsor and we will promote you heavily if you are a sponsor or if you are a vendor, uh, just go to allblacknationalconvention.com. All those opportunities are there. We'll take good care of you. You're going to love it. I guarantee it. So anyway, guys, uh, have a good day. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'll check back in with you a little bit later if I see anything interesting happening in the market. I do updates all day long. So take care. I'll see you soon. Peace.